Hi, it's Lou. I just wanted to let you know what's new and what's still around for Square Pegs in 2022. The Patreon membership is still up and running. The address for that is patreon.com forward slash square peg round hole. And don't forget that W for the word hole. I really appreciate any contribution that anyone can provide to help me to keep this podcast going and to pay for some of the ongoing costs associated with it. It's very, very much appreciated. So thank you so much to my Patreon members as always. Something I did develop at the end of last year was a new website. On that website, there are podcast episodes, transcripts, there's a huge resource library, there's news and information on advocacy projects. The address for the website is squarepegroundhole.com.au. Many people know I have two Facebook groups or pages. There's a public page and there's a closed group. Please feel free to apply to join the closed group. It's where we discuss a lot of the episodes and some of the advocacy work that we're working on. And I just finally wanted to say it is my only ambition to speak on behalf of parents when I speak. I will never speak on behalf of any group to which I cannot represent with lived experience. I don't speak on behalf of neurodivergent people. However, I am very happy to bring neurodivergent people along to discussions and to share with us all. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you find it helpful. Thank you. Thank you so much, so much, so much to Sarah, Shelley and Rachel for being my latest Patreon members. Lots of people joining. Thank you. So brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to acknowledge that this podcast meeting is being held on the traditional lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and pay my respect to Elders, both past, present and future, and to welcome you to this new episode for podcast Square Peg Round Hole. Welcome to Square Peg Round Hole, the podcast where we discuss diversity and how to embrace our neurodivergent kids at home, at school and in the workplace. It's Lou here. Today we're talking to Rebecca Perkins from My Spirited Child and the National Peak Centre. The National Peak Centre provides customised support across the lifespan from diagnosis to strength-based therapies and family supports, specialising in autism ADHD, anxiety, sensory challenges and regulation support. We heard a lot about it from previous guest Christina Keeble. Christina Keeble and Rebecca Perkins are the co-founders of the National Peak Centre and you will recall Christina explained that the P-E in the word peak is the first two letters of Rebecca's surname, just like the K-E is the first two letters in Christina's surname. Rebecca is also the founder of another company called My Spirited Child and she's a member of the Reference Council at the Turner Institute for Brain and Mental Health at Monash University. She's incredibly passionate about this field, in part because 
Both of her children are neurodivergent and she is also neurodivergent, having both ADHD and dyslexia. She's been extremely lucky to speak on many stages, both nationally and internationally, and been featured in magazines, newspapers and radio shows. She has also had the privilege of working alongside incredible organisations, including consulting to Special Olympics Australia. In 2020, she was announced as an Ausmumpreneur Gold Award winner. Rebecca studied for her qualifications at the University of Derby in England and has seven diplomas, including sociology and psychology, as well as a law degree with honours. Far out. What a huge diversity of accomplishments. So you can imagine my utter shock when my spirited child approached me, me, that's right, and asked if I would speak at their upcoming Victorian ADHD conference on the 2nd of April this year, 2022. Today we will learn more about Rebecca and the work she does with the Peak Centres, My Spirited Child, and most importantly we will discuss the upcoming Victorian ADHD conference because these conferences are provided to the community all around the country and what a gift that is to our community. Welcome to the podcast, Rebecca Perkins. Hello, how are you doing? Hello. <laughs> so nice of you to join me today. I'm very excited about this impromptu episode I'm releasing today with you. We should mention as well that you're sitting in your one of your national peak centres, aren't you, with, with children outside. They can't hear anything of, of what we're saying, but we might hear some kids running around and having fun outside. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm here today, so um, uh, and I've moved into a different office, um, so we may hear the occasional child running past the room or um, having fun in their therapy. <laughs> That's awesome. I, lo- I love the sound of that. <laughs> As I said to you, I had my son on the VR for a recent rep- uh, episode in the background, so I'm kind of used to that. So let's get into it, Rebecca. Let's start. I've got two icebreaker questions for you. The first one is, it's all a bit of fun to get to know you. What's your favourite animal, Rebecca? Greyhound, the dog. Ooh. Because, well, I have a greyhound and she's the third greyhound that I've had, but um, greyhounds are very, I relate to greyhounds. They're either completely stopped and doing nothing and flaked out and can't move, or they're just going at as fast as they can for a very short amount of time until they burn out and flake again um, and I can relate to that quite well so so yeah greyhounds I just can't relate to the body shape of the greyhound but I can relate to that definitely <laughs> excellent okay and now this is a serious question if there was one thing you could change in this world Rebecca what would it be and why is that picking one thing is hard because there's actually about 10 things that I want to change in this world um, but I guess the biggest thing that I'd change is probably the thing that I'm spend my whole life working towards, and that's the awareness and acceptance of people who have disabilities and just overall disability awareness, disability services, disability support, and just making the whole world a better place for people who have any form of disability. That would probably be the thing I would change and it's the thing I spend my life trying to change although we're a very long way away from that. Couldn't agree more in fact I've just scored myself an amazing job working on 
the Disability Royal Commission and um, helping people to submit to that. So I'm really excited and agree with you 100% that that's where we need to go. People with disabilities need to be up front and centre with everybody else. Yep, 100%, 100%. Okay, and the next question I have for you is can you just sort of tell us, I've done an introduction, of course, about you and your amazing background, but if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself, your life growing up and how, how you found yourself doing what you're doing today and what is the connection to the square peg trying to fit into the round hole? So I think my story is actually quite a common one for many people who are ADHD themselves. I think a lot of kids go through this. And I was the kid who was always in trouble. I spent more of my time kicked out of the classroom than I did in it. Never got awards, never did well, failed school completely, was thought of as being dumb and naughty and you know just too much effort for my teachers. And I was very lucky in that I had a really supportive mom. But I went, I got into it. My life was, was was pretty bad. I got into a lot of trouble, did a lot of bad things, went down a lot of bad paths. And it wasn't until I was an adult and actually until I had my first son, I kind of had to sort my life out. And so then I went back to college and went back to uni and I did a whole bunch of qualifications. And then when I came out of uni, I knew I needed to, my, my son is intellectual intellectually disabled and ADHD and I knew I needed to change something I knew parents didn't get anywhere near enough support and I needed to do something about it and from there I created my spirited child and um, and that's just grown and and now I'm just trying to I guess focus my attention and my life on on two goals which is one is to change disability support universally across the world and the other is to make enough money to provide my son a secure future because unfortunately he'll never be able to he'll probably never have a job and he'll never be able certainly never be able to look after himself so I I want to secure his future so so everything I do from the second I get up now to the second I get to bed is with that focus in mind and in a way I'm one of the lucky ones because having my son jolted me out of the many of the very bad choices I was making. But what I also did in my life was show that all those kids out there who are ADHD, who find it difficult to follow that structured set path that is expected of them, and kids who have those problems with anger or emotional dysregulation, which is what I struggled with, they struggle to sort of stay between the lines. What I I did was show no matter how far off the tracks they might find themselves at times, and it is very hard to stay on the tracks, but they can actually, they can do it. And there's no goal that they can't reach. And, you know, and they can, they're not stupid. They can get degrees and they can start companies and they can, you know, do anything they want to do with just a little bit of support and motivation. So, yeah, so my life was very difficult and I went through a lot of hard things along the way. And I learned a lot of tough, very tough lessons. Somehow managed to stay out of prison, which is a bit of a miracle. But... I now relate so much to those kids, especially those teenagers who are really struggling to stay on track and not get into trouble because I never wanted to be in trouble. I never, contrary to what my teachers thought, I never woke up thinking I just want to be a pain in the butt today. I never did that. But, and these kids don't do that, but that, but with support and people working with them instead of against them, they can you know, they can achieve anything they want. And um, and I think that's pretty much been my story, I guess, so far. 
And you hear that repeated, that description of you didn't want to do the wrong thing or seek any kind of attention or, you know, you didn't, you didn't want to be a bad person. You wanted to do good. You want to do well in life. And, and you hear that often described about people, particularly people with ADHD, you know, not actually wanting to, to be that pain in the butt essentially they want to be liked and they want to do well they just don't yet have the skills to do that is that what you meant about when you said you want to change or you want to influence the way disability is supported I mean I was going to ask you about your passion for the neurodivergent community and what drives that passion can you expand on that a bit for us yeah so I the driver of the passion is, is my kids. Um, both my kids are ADHD and my eldest son, as I said, has the intellectual disability as well. And I wish they had a world where um, having a different brain and or having, having any disability was actually supported and they weren't looked at, you know, like they were less viable a person because they have mm. um, a different type of brain to, to the neurotypical person. And I think, so, so they're my driving force, but also the fact that I'm able to, because because I have a different brain myself, I'm able to see where the cracks are in society and in education and in, you know, all the systems and what actually needs to change. And I think, you know, it, it's things like I have very, very close friends who I cannot talk to about my ADHD because they're so set in their views and the stigma Mm. is so entrenched throughout society and and it's just so important we just have to change that all all that it harms so many in people children adults who who have adhd and their families that you know so many people are harmed by that stereotypical stigmatizing view that's actually highly inaccurate it's just based on misunderstanding you know but yeah, I'm very driven by that and just making those changes. Mm, I think that we are so sort of in in the world, the neurodivergent world, that sometimes we forget that that level of misunderstanding and stigma is still out there. Well, like we're so used to it. I just talk to people like it's just, you know, you should know this. <laughs> but I often do see what you're saying, you know, that people still don't don't recognize and don't accept and that's what we need to change couldn't agree more Rebecca you your accomplishments are huge with everything from co-founding the peak centers to my spirited child and much much more which I mentioned in the introduction please could you expand on these for us and tell us what you are most proud of and how we can access the services that you've set up for the community yeah so um, I guess I'm trying to what I wanted to do with both companies was find a way of creating two different companies that together can change the system as a whole. So My Spirited Child is all about getting information to people. So that's the whole point of that company is to change those uh, misconceptions and, and create that awareness and get rid of all the stigma. That That's all that company focuses on. It does it mostly through events and through some resources and things and, and me doing interviews like this and all that sort of thing. And then Peak Centre's whole point was actually changing the services for people who have disabilities. So creating a better system, a better service, the way that's provided to people. Um, So the two things, it's kind of like a pincer. The two things are trying to work together to change the system. But um, I think 
aside from my kids, which obviously is the thing I'm most proud of in the world, but aside from them, I think in terms of career-wise, probably the thing I'm most proud of, I went, I just came back from the States actually, because I was just filming a TV show um, over there. So I was pretty proud of that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. What was that? Will we be able to see that? I saw that you were doing that. It's uh, so it'll be on Amazon, I believe, and Apple TV, and a few other things. Wow. It's called Four Days to Change the World. I'm back filming it again in November, so it's I haven't finished yet. But it's um, it's, it's actually that's pretty cool. It's actually the idea is they get people who are CEOs and founders from all over the world who are doing things to try and change the world themselves, and they put them in bring them together, put them in teams and give them four days to change a massive problem in the world. So it might be something like change the education system or change or fix climate change or cure cancer or uh, end poverty, like the big, you know, the big world crisis problems. Like my second icebreaker question, <laughs> what do you want to change about this world? <laughs> exactly. And they put these, they create these teams because what the idea behind the show was that if you know, governments don't change things. Governments keep things the same. And they kind of said, you know, the people, it's the people who change things. So if we take some of the minds from around the world who are already trying to make change and put them together, imagine what they can do. And yes, yeah, so they have four days. Each team has four days to come up with a, a, a business plan, essentially, a plan that's actually going to, could, when put into effect, would actually change the world. And yeah, mine is uh, mental health, which which works pretty well for me because it's pretty close to what I'm um, what I work in. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, I didn't get a choice. That's over awesome. That. <laughs> but, but that that I'm pretty proud of because it's just exciting and it's doing really great things. And you know, if it even makes a dent in any of the things that it's trying to tackle, that would be great. The other thing I think I'm really proud of, and I think every ADHD person out there should be proud of, is just actually trying to be, have a successful life. And that could be anything. You know, for me, a successful life is trying to tackle this big issue. But for some person, a successful life, especially for some ADHDers, could be just getting out of bed and going to work each day. Because for some, that in itself is a massive accomplishment. And so being ADHD and being able to achieve my goals and and pushing through my challenges to achieve my goals, that I think is probably the thing I'm most proud of. And I think every ADHD should be proud of that. It's hard sometimes, isn't it? It really is. So, yeah. Anyway, we, we soldier on. Let's now talk about the My Spirited Child ADHD conferences, which yes. is why we're doing this today mostly. Most of my guests on this podcast have been through a similar journey, an awakening of sorts where we realise that neurodivergent people have gifts and differences that need to be embraced, not changed or fixed. People often talk of how they learned to turn their back on behaviorism and the traditional ways and move towards neurodiversity affirming practices. In fact, the title of my talk at your conference is Know Better, Do Better. So my husband and Ash and I will be covering this experience as part of our talk. Has this been your experience as well, Rebecca? Um. I'm going to have to get you to repeat that question because my ADHD brain couldn't sustain the. <laughs> I, can't, um, I can't process. I'm anything. sorry. This happens to me ages when I go. I forget what I'm talking about and everything. I'm very. I love it. No, I love it. I love it. You know, it happens to me too, which is exactly why I write down the questions before I have to ask them. Um, okay. So I'll give you the abbreviated version. Yes, um, basically, I wanted to ask you about 
the theme of my talk is know better, do better. It's about moving away from behaviorism and moving towards neurodiversity affirming practices. It's about learning from the old fashioned mistake or the mistakes of the past and embracing a new way and, and using a strength focused of, of ADHD in this case in your conferences. And I wanted to ask you, has that been your experience as well of moving away from, tell us about how you embrace the new strength focus that you have for these conferences? Um, yeah, absolutely. Exactly the same. And and like, I think like many people and parents, especially, we are raised in a society which is very traditional in terms of its parenting and you know says says if a child is misbehaving you must punish them this is this is how we're raised this is how society teaches us so we you know we can't and don't expect people to just suddenly know that that's not the best way to do it because that's what they that's what they're raised and you have to go through this process where you actually learn what's what actually works and what doesn't and i you know just like many parents went through that same uh, awakening and realized that especially when I was able to really look at myself and really you know take a good look at my own brain and realize that those those old-fashioned traditional deficit-based approaches just don't work and all they do is create kids with trauma and kids who are insecure and have low self-esteem and things like that and we really really heavily need to focus on kids strengths and focus on supporting them, not trying to discipline a, a neurodivergent brain out. You can't discipline someone's brain. <laughs> it's not it's their brain. You can't, you know. So we need to focus on another way of doing things from a more affirming standpoint. And we can absolutely do that. But my, yeah, my journey very, very much, and even down to language, the language we use is so important. And I've learned a lot from my good colleague, good friend and colleague, Christina Keeble, because she was a bit ahead of me on this journey. And she's really, language is one of her sort of specialist topics, I guess. And mm-hmm. she really helped me understand that the use of language and how a single word here or a single word there can actually create a lot of trauma in a person if you're saying that to them all the time. And so it's really important that we change our view and we change the way we react to people who do have different brains and see their strengths not their weaknesses and and one thing we're really heavily supportive here of uh, supportive of here at, at the peak center is you can support a child or an adult and you can support them with their challenges while still really promoting their strengths we want people to come in here and be told how amazing they are and how wonderful they are and really walk out of here feeling like, do you know what? They're actually really brilliant. And yes, we're going to help them with the things that they struggle with, but we're also going to make them aware of the things that are great about them because everybody struggles with something. Every single person on this planet struggles with something. And if you're neurotypical, you're allowed to have struggles and still be thought of as great and wonderful and think yourself as, you know, as worthy. But if your challenges has to be, happens to be some kind of disability, then all of a sudden society says you're not worthy. And that's not the case at all. It's just a, a different struggle. And they'll have a different, you know, different things they're great at. So, yeah, that's kind of been my journey is to sort of going from one extreme to the other, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's that inherent ableism you're talking about there, isn't it, that we all have, that it's very hard to to shift that with the way we were all brought up. But I'm relieved because everything you just said is what I'm going to be talking about (laughs) um, and has been my experience. And, in fact, my husband's got a really great way of expressing it too. So that's great. I'm relieved. (laughs) That's good. And and just to talk a little bit more about what I'm going to be talking about because, I mean, that's what this episode is about, to to, um, create some excitement and awareness of the conference and also what my role is going to be there and then we'll talk about some of the other speakers. But um, can you ask me, sorry, can you answer me? (laughs) Why did you actually ask me to speak? And can you tell us about other parents that you've had talk before at these conferences? So... When we, when we put together these conferences, it's very important to us that they aren't too academic-y. Like, because that's just, that's all conferences. And, and we're not, we want to take an approach of, we really want to demonstrate the lived experience. I think you can know a lot about a topic, but to fully understand it, you've got to live in it. And so we always try and have at least 50% of the speakers come from that lived experience background as well as being professional um you know they have their professional roots but also have the lived experience and with this one we were just working on that last lived experience speaker and I said to Christina Keeble I said before I start approaching people do you have anyone that springs to your mind as to who we should ask and she said do you know who I think you should ask I think you should ask Luca Chell because she she is living in the space herself, but also she's doing amazing advocacy work. She's got her podcast and she really understands it from a professional level as well as a lived experience level. And she's really strengths-based and the strengths-based is so important to us at our conferences. It's the, it's the one thing that we really, really push is that strengths, that strengths focus. And yeah, and she's talked so highly of you. I said, you know what? I spoke to the uh, our event coordinator and I said, I think drop her a message. You know, she may or may not want to do it. It's a lot of people to get up in front of. Not everybody, not everybody wants to do that. But I really think she'd have something valuable to say. And I think it'd be really good for other parents and teachers to to hear from someone with that much experience and to hear what you've got to say really so yeah that was why that's why we asked you oh well thank you thank you so much for asking me and I'll just say I did this is probably very ADHD of me I didn't actually ask how many people until recently I would be talking to (laughs) I just said oh what a wonderful um, opportunity to you know share our experience and I just said yeah (laughs) how impulsive of me Um, but yeah thank you thank you so much for asking me I'm absolutely honoured to to do this and I, I I hope that people who are listening on the day get fired up because that's what I'm going to be trying to do. I want to fire people up. So I've got, don't worry, I've got uh, I've got a, a lot planned in terms of that and I'm going to try and make it as interesting and um, motivating as possible. But enough about me, enough about me, <laughs> seriously. Let's talk about some of the other speakers. You, you have a diverse lineup of speakers. You obviously run other conferences as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about the other speakers that you'll have on the 2nd of April and maybe give us a bit of a a link to what you've got planned for the future? Yeah, so I have to say this, we we run a lot of these conferences in every state in the country pretty much, but this, this lineup that we've got for the Victorian one on the 2nd is hands down probably the best 
speaker lineup I have ever seen in one day. Just just phenomenal. You know, the we've got the lived experience and we've got the professionals. Uh, well, everyone, we're all professionals, but we've got the lived experience and the academics as well. So we've got Mark Belgrove, Professor Mark Belgrove, who's just the, he's the, just the, the ADHD king in Australia, I guess you'd say, and just a phenomenal person, runs the Turner Institute for Brain and Mental Health at Monash University. I just cannot wait to hear him speak. He's such a wealth of knowledge and he's done just phenomenal global things with ADHD. So, so he's going to be amazing. We've got Dr. Di Grocott, who... Oh, and Mark Belgrove, I should mention, is speaking on the neurobiology of ADHD. So that's really a subject that's really interesting. Dr. Di Grocott, she's, she's done, again, another person who's done phenomenal things. And she's so well respected and well regarded in the ADHD community. And she, um, even though she's the doctor and she's got that coming from that academic side, she actually is one of the few people who just really gets it. And she really, you know, she deals with a lot, a lot with adults as well. So that might be why she's able to sort of understand adult ADHD a a lot as well. And she's talking about, oh, what's she talking about? Uh, Enjoying, I can't remember the word, the title, enjoying having a different brain, basically. She's talking about, you know, the, the, the ADHD brain and how, how I guess how spirited it is and how to, how to actually enjoy that. Then we've got uh, myself, I'm talking about anger and emotional dysregulation, which is a topic I'm very passionate about because I struggle with anger and emotional dysregulation. This is going to be really important for those kids who are struggling at school or at home with those sort of angry emotions and and the attached behaviours. So I'm going to be giving lots of information and strategies to, to help them with that. And then yourself, obviously, talking about know better, do better and, and your journey, getting everyone all fired up, which is great. And then we've got the legend that is Dr. Emma Scaberes. She's a professor at Deakin, again, spoke all over the world on ADHD, won awards left, right and centre. She's just an absolute powerhouse. She's going to be talking about sleep and give it you know so many kids with ADHD struggle with sleep so this is going to be invaluable for parents because she's going to give them all the strategies to help with that Uh, and then last lastly we've got my amazing friend Christina Keeble who is going to be talking about ADHD and executive function and it's estimated between 30 and 50 percent of people with ADHD struggle with executive function I think it's higher than that and it's very common and she is one of them she really struggles with that so she's gonna talk about that and give a lot of strategies so you know it's if I could pick the best ADHD speakers that this country has to offer pretty much most of them are speaking at that event it's a it's really really gonna be phenomenal and most of the speakers are you know pretty world renowned so I'm I'm really excited really excited for that Oh, it's great to hear you say that. Um, I just looked up Dr. Di Grocott's um, talk is called Understanding and Delighting in Your Busy Brain. That's the one. I knew it was something to do with enjoying your brain. (laughs) Enjoying your brain. Close enough. (laughs) Our brains are um, really showing uh, how much we enjoy enjoy our brains today. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) 
because we're living it and we're living it. Thank you so much for explaining that. That's, it is a great lineup. You are 100% right. So I'm really looking forward to it, excited. Just got to steer clear of the old COVID before, <laughs> before then, <laughs> trying to keep myself well away from everyone. Now, is there anything else that you would like to tell us about the conferences or anything else you would like to share? I always ask people at the end of episodes to talk about resources, books, websites, anything that influences what you do every day that other people can learn from. I get a lot of parents who come to me through the podcast sort of platform, I guess, and and the work I did with PAAA as well, asking about, obviously, it's about advocating usually in schools, but talking and learning about, you know, these concepts we've been talking about today. What influences you? Is there anything else you would like people to know? Um, well, yeah, so so just in terms of what we're doing, I think the more people we can get to these conferences, the better because um, we need to educate people. And so that's so we've put the conferences in pretty much every state. So I think as of from as of this year, we've got Victoria, Queensland, WA, South Australia and Northern Territory. So if we can get, you know, those People just, if, if you have one in your state, or even if you don't, you know, travel, go to them. It's so important because it's information that literally changes people's lives and changes people's perspectives, which is very important. We do have on the website, we have um, a lot of guidebooks. And uh, one thing I created, which I think is important for people, is I created a very simple guide to ADHD for parents and another one for teachers. And the reason it's, it's, all the really important basic information that people need to know with, with strategies, but in something they can read in a lunch break. It's really, really short. I took out all the waffle, basically. And the reason I created that is because one thing for parents and teachers, they're so busy, they don't necessarily have time to sit down and read an entire wordy book just to learn a few basic strategies that they need. And so I wanted to create something that was super duper simple to take in short to the point. So those are available on the website and I think they're quite useful for the, for, for the busy person. And just in terms of, you know, I think the biggest thing is just learn, learn as much as you can. There's not a day goes by that I don't listen, read a bit of a book or listen to something or do something or read some research, something to try and build on my knowledge. And you you can never know enough. And if we really want to help our kids, and I know we you know we all do, whether we're a parent or a teacher or, or, or what we are, we've got to just keep learning as much as we can to help build awareness. And from there, we can then start putting things into place to make a difference. Of course, yeah. Well, I will link those resources that you just mentioned to the show notes and also put them on my website did you mention New South Wales? What I mean, we don't do New South Wales. Why? <laughs> Two reasons why we don't do New South Wales. The main one is because they have really we can't the way our conferences are designed. We can't meet their rules. So their rules state that to be a conference that's valid for a PD in New South Wales, you have to you have to have within the conference training that then at the end of the conference the attendees can walk out and say we just did that and we practiced it and of course can all i that- ask is, is this a nessa thing related to nessa for teachers or so it's for i don't know it's for the to get it's just a government thing for the to get for it to be a valid pd teachers yeah and because 50 percent of our our attendees are teachers we can't 
win it without them. And so... And they won't come. They can't get NESA accreditation. And then we said, we actually, um, when Christina and I did our national tour last year, we actually said, do you know what, sorry, we're going to go to New South Wales anyway. And just be aware that we probably won't get many teachers because, you know, they, they can't, can't do it. And But we didn't get many anyone. And we said, oh, it just seemed... I don't know why, but these these conferences, because they're so big, they cost just phenomenal amounts of money to to put on. You know, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars just to put the event on. And what we can't, we just, you know, we just don't have the money to be able to do that. People aren't going to come. Maybe this is a bit of a vicious cycle. I would really like the, I've got to be honest, I'd really like the New South Wales government to review that policy or whoever, you know, whichever government department it is that created that policy to review it because it's a really silly one. Because it means that if you're running a workshop where they're actually having a situation and they try and work on it before they leave, that's okay. But when you're running a conference where it's not a workshop and people don't have the time to actually practice the skills they're learning there and then, it you, you know, it's not valid. And, and that's um, really unfortunate. I could be wrong, but if it's what I'm thinking of, it is to do with NESA, but they basically govern the accreditation points that teachers will get. They do a number of other things, but that they, the accreditation points that teachers will get if they attend professional development, like you're saying, and they did review it because the problem was that any kind of man and their dog could do professional development and get accreditation points so we had all sorts of people running professional development for teachers you know if if, for example if they just made it that if you wanted to run a conference there you submitted a an application with you know this is why your this is your conference this is why it's valid and then they assessed it and went yep that's valid that would be you know at least then it would give people who run PDs the opportunity to run them. Okay, well, that's interesting. A shame for us in New South Wales. Yeah, it, it, is, it is a shame. I'd like, I would like, if it, if it changes, then I'd definitely like to put one there. Uh, the other issue that we did actually look into it as well, and the other issue we had on top of the other issues was um, the, the, conference, the New South Wales Convention Centre, Exhibition and Convention Centre, was about twice the price of any of the other ones in any of the states. It was just way out of our budget and we just went, wow, we just, yeah, just, we don't have the money for it. Yeah. Oh, well, there's an opportunity there for someone, for someone or for, to, for someone to help you to, to, to overcome that barrier. 100%. So. Yeah, I would love to overcome that um, and be able to get one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, it's really, it's been fantastic to talk to you about these conferences and about the work that you do. And, um, and I will certainly be making sure people know about it and try and access it as much as that they can from wherever they are in Australia, because even though the conferences may not be available in New South Wales, they're available everywhere else. And it's not just those, it's the other work that both you and Christina Keeble do with the webinars and the online access to resources and other things. I mean, I had a parent talked to me last night from Queensland who'd actually written to the national one of the national peak centers to engage with some sort of level of support so there's a lot that can be done these days online as well isn't there yeah absolutely and we have um our support um specialists that we have at peak is available online as well so people who are further away who need somebody to support them can still get access to that so yeah yeah this is happening a lot more isn't it these days yeah Yeah, that's right 
Excellent. All right. Well, then, if there's nothing else that you would like to add, well, I can sign us off from this fantastic interview and get this out to people to listen so that they get excited for the conference coming up. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited. (laughs) So am I. All right. I'll sign us off now. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Square Peg Round Hole. Bye. Acknowledgements. Thank you to Carla Cushell of Carla Cushell Creative for the podcast logo and the website. Editing by Matt Cushell. Images and episode quotes are the work of Jazzy C. Music is also by Jazzy C. Finally, a big thank you to my friends and family for encouraging me. As always, thank you to my partner in everything, Ash Cushell. And remember, just be nice to one another.